Guys, football is officially back back. For real, for real this time. No more training camp, no more pretending we get anything out of OTAs, and no more worrying about preseason injuries. R.I.P. to Marquise Lee. We've had a full week in a real college football, which means that this week we get a full slate of real NFL games, starting with Atlanta-Philly on Thursday, and then a nice matchup with my Jags visiting the New York Giants. My name is Blythe, and I'm a business owner helping companies with custom website solutions designed to help reach their business goals, and I'm also a co-host here in Jacksonville on a sports show called Helmets and Heels. Every week during the season, we live stream on YouTube on our channel at Guys Girl Media, but for the podcast, I like to put a sort of a, a best of the best and pack it all together for you guys here. So first up, we're going to talk team captains for the Jaguars and preview the week one matchup against the New York Giants. Here we go. But first, let's get into the Jaguars captains got named yesterday. Second year running back Leonard Fournette was voted a captain of the offense, yet all pro third year cornerback Jalen Ramsey was not. Blythe, I know Jalen's one of your favorite players, so I'll start with you. Were you surprised that Jalen wasn't voted as a captain of the defense? No, not at all, because it's an NFL rule. Six players are allowed to be named as captains, max six players for, for any team. There's three offensive guys that were named, and there's two defensive guys, one special teams guy. I mean, who are you going to take it away from in order to give Jalen one? Who did, who got it defensively? I'm sorry I missed that. Calais uh, Campbell, Campbell and Telvin Smith. Yep. And Telvin, okay. So you can't take it away from those two guys. Those are arguably the best leaders on the team, period, offensive or defensive. And it's voted on by the team, yeah. right? But by the players on the team. Yeah, no. But they didn't have to give it to three offensive players. They could have given it to three defensive players yeah. or no special teams player in theory. If if you feel like this is the best player on the team, that's why I was a little bit surprised. I don't know that it is. I don't know that the, that the um, captain title goes to the necessarily the best player. It doesn't because best best players don't necessarily make great teachers, and great teachers don't necessarily make great leaders, if that makes sense. like There's a lot of players that historically that have been great at playing their sport, and then they go and they try to coach, and they fail miserably. I, I, Jalen Ramsey is, is by nature his presence on the team – is uplifting, is a motivational factor. Him being not named as, as a, a captain on the team is no slight, in my opinion. Donna, what do you think? No, I wasn't surprised at all. I, I, I agree with every pick, I think. I think they just made it, um, they spread it out, and they make it more of a team factor, which I like, um, even though we know it's more about the defense on this team. Um, but I got no qualms with who they picked. In my mind... Your very best player on defense, the most vocal, clearly, on the field, yes, isn't always the best leader in the locker room. But I would like to see Jalen transition into that role well, for this mature team. mature for that one. Yeah. But he's so, not mature enough for that. Well, and Calais is towards the end of his career right. at this point. Telvin, year five. So he certainly is going to have a, a while, we hope, uh, and expect but I, I would like to see Jalen transition mm-hmm. into a, a, a vocal leader of the team because he is clearly the guy that everybody in the news is talking about. Everybody in the locker room looks up to him, at least on the field play. So I, I would like to see him transition into that. But I, I'm not. I don't think it's a slight. You disagree, Blythe? Yeah, de- definitely. I, I don't. I just don't think uh, the the best player on the team necessarily has to be the greatest uh, PR guy. And and to me, like the. With the captains, you're really your your prime. I looked this up earlier. Your primary responsibility is handling the the coin toss and handling 
uh, that what do you want to do as far as if a penalty is being called? And there's certain teams that they name weekly captains. They don't name year-long captains. The Falcons, the Ravens, the Bengals, the Lions, the Packers, Texans, and 49ers all name weekly captains. Colts and Rams don't even offer team captain status, and the Patriots and the Steelers don't even use the customary C. So I think this is a little, it's a little much ado about nothing. And Brady's, oh, and- Brady's rarely a captain in his 18 years. Rarely has been a captain. Yeah, and I think well, that it, speaks it, to the vocal leadership. You know, Brady's certainly about the best of his possible game, but that part doesn't surprise me kind of with his personality. And most likely the, the quarterback is going to be named as a captain on the team, and I thought that was huge news for, for Bortles as far as the growth of his game to see him take on that, that captain role. But there's not a, there's not a captain named that I would, I would take this away from in order to give it to mm-hmm. Jalen. Jalen's leadership and his motivation speaks for his play on the field. And, and I think you've heard other guys, you've heard other, other players talk about this, that when, when Jalen missed those first, you know, I think he missed the OTAs. And when he finally came back, he brought that extra swagger on the team. So whether or not he's named as a, you know, a team captain, I think is neither here nor there. All right, when it comes to the Jaguars versus the Giants, Jalen, of course, will be going up against Odell Beckham Jr., as well, A.J. Boye, and, uh, and Sterling Shepard as well for the Giants. Lauren, we're going to talk to offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett mm-hmm. a little later in the show, but what would you say is the matchup you are most excited to see? Oh, I think it's obvious, right? It's Batman versus Joker, so I'm told. I can't see that on Twitter because <laughs> I was locked. Um, but, no, I mean, that's what we're all here to see, right? We're here to see... Uh, the matchup between the highest paid receiver and the mouthiest D-back in the league and and see who comes out on top. That's what I personally want to see. I hope they mic them up. Wouldn't that be something? They Gosh. won't, but that would be. Bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> exactly. No, I think, I think that's the matchup to be seen. Now, uh, how many, listen, the highest paid receiver better get a bunch of targets in the game, I would assume, but you also know that you're going up against the top cornerback in the, in the league. So, um I don't know that that is the most intriguing. I'm also though really looking I'm really looking forward to seeing what regular season Blake looks like. I know I harp on him a lot and I will continue to do so until I'm proven otherwise. But like I said, I I have all I have to look at is preseason games and he didn't have a very good preseason showing. And And I've been told that don't you can't base it off that. Just wait, just wait. And there'll be some good Blake and there'll be some bad Blake. And I'd like to see four quarters of Blake. I want to see. The, uh, him and his entirety, and his good, bad, and ugly, to see if he does make mistakes, if he's able to come back from that, and if he um, if he finds himself in a position where they've got to play catch up, they're playing from behind. Is he the guy who's going to take that True. leadership C on his chest, if you will, and lead them uh, down the field? Because I think there's a lot of people that still question whether he is capable of bringing this team back from any kind of big deficit. He's never done it. Never done it in the history of his career. Donna? I'm actually looking forward to the matchup of our defensive line against Saquon Barkley. Yeah. That's what I'm looking forward to because all the hype of, we know what Eli can do, kind of, you know, depends on the day, I guess. <laughs> um, Eli has no backup either, by the way, which is also no, very interesting. It's, it's fascinating and fun. Um, but, no, I think uh, seeing what this defense can shut down and make this rookie look like. It's going to be fun. That will be fun. Blythe? 
I would say I would have to co-sign with with Don. I mean, obviously, like OBJ versus Jalen. If they mic them up, that will be the mic up of the year already. Just game one of the season. But as far as like the game plan against the Giants, I was watching this uh, this Giants uh, film review guy. He 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 breaks down a lot of the the different film for for teams all over the NFL. But he focuses on the Giants, and he went through about a month ago and went through all of the Jaguars' offensive possessions last year, and he said that the if the Giants can beat the Jaguars on third down, if they can win on third down, especially in those large yardage opportunities and the low yardage opportunities with Saquon, then they have a really, really strong advantage as far as going up against that defensive line because that's where the, the, the Jaguars struggle is the long yardage completions on third down. Well, and what's going to be fun for me, this Giants offensive line is completely revamped, and they're going to be going up against who I think is the best defensive line. Donna, you can tell us, Nate Solder, does he have a whole lot left at left tackle? Because I tend to think that if the Patriots get rid of you, they're almost always getting rid of a player who's used up most of his juice. With the exception of like Chandler Jones. Yeah, and he's one of the only ones that comes to mind. Um, See, the problem with Nate was he had a lot of personal issues, and it was because of his son that had cancer, and he went through it twice. So a lot of the a lot of the on the field lack of play was messed up in his head because of that. So if everything's right on that end, I think he has still maybe another two years, but he would get beat a lot towards last season. But again, his son had his cancer back, so you just yeah, you never know tell. if it's the home life or if it is his game. Mm-hmm. So. Sure, and then he'll be lining up next to left guard Will Hernandez, who I really liked coming out of the draft, left guard at UTEP for four years and. While that's great, he he was a great guard there, mauling guard. The problem is he's a rookie, mm-hmm. and he's going up against, again, some of the best defensive line. And then the center actually played at Florida, John Halapio. This is, I think, the first time he's ever made an NFL roster in the few years that he's graduated from college, so made the actual 53-man roster. So that's exciting for him, but again, obviously not necessarily the best in the league. And then right tack, or right guard Patrick Omame, we're all mm-hmm. very familiar with him. Uh, Lauren, he played for the Jaguars last year, and he was a good fill-in guard, but certainly not nearly as good as the Jaguars, who the Jaguars replaced him with, which is Andrew Norwell. And then it closes out with right tackle Eric Flowers, who's pretty good. But so that's the matchup I'm going to be watching because, of course, if Fournette can run the ball against the Giants, then you don't even need to see what Blake Bortles well, can do. Right. Because if, and it's not just Fournette. I think Yeldon and Corey Grant have looked fantastic. I, during I would agree. I would second that. I think they could be a three-headed monster if they want to be. I think if if New York is able to stop the run, and this might sound extremely elementary, but if they're able to slow them down and, and prohibit or uh, prevent those guys from having any productivity, it's going to force Blake to maybe make some throws. And I think that's what they're hoping. They force Blake to make throws. He will throw inter- an interception or two. That's just kind of what he's shown in the past. Uh, that's when it becomes the Giants' advantage. So you got to hope that. The Jags' offensive line on the same end is as, um, hopefully, as healthy as they have been in a while. Let's hope for that and that they are able, that we'll really get to see what they look like as well. So, And that, I thought, was the best news that came out of the weekend. Not just that Mark Lee had the successful knee surgery last week, but that all 53 players on this roster, all active players, are practicing. Because for me, that was, there was only one question mark, and that was center Brandon Linder suffering that knee injury in week two of the preseason at the Vikings, and he hadn't practiced since. I was going, uh... I don't want this front five to not be together in that very first game because then obviously week two is going to be the Patriots. All how, right. many, how many times do you think they're going to show Tom Coughlin? Um, it depends on, I guess, how easy field. of a view. He won't be on the yeah. field. He'll be in a suite, yeah. I would assume. And so if they can 
look at him with the camera angle like right on him than probably a lot during the broadcast. But I don't think they'll show him on the stadium video boards whatsoever. I I love it. I I hope, you know, I hope they just annihilate them for his sake too. Yeah. And Marone was asked about that yesterday too. Like, is it different, you know, Coughlin going back to the Giants? And of course, Marone and his smoothness was no business as usual. (laughs) Yes, Sure. But we'll see. He certainly, Tom Coughlin, more than most people, knows this Giants team really well. So he'll have this team prepared. Yeah, so look out for an Eli, just chuck it up. That's all he does is chuck (laughs) up the ball. But the Jaguars are only a field goal favorite. That's ridiculous. But it's it, in the NFL, it's always saying something if you're favored on the road. Yeah. Just because most yep. of the time the home team is favored. Yeah, so it still la- says something. Ridiculous. But until last season, the Jaguars haven't been favored on the road since 2011. And even though they were favored on the road five times last season, they only won two of those games. Mm. All right. When we come back, college football. I was going to say I, I didn't do actual betting, but in our Friday Five <laughs> Pack, I did not do so well no, you did in not. the betting. So right now, betting is a sore spot for me. Mentioning odds, it just makes me... Uh, very frustrated at the moment. Next up on the show is one of my favorite interviews we've had in a while. Nathaniel Hackett is the offensive coordinator for the Jaguars. He was formerly the QB coach to Blake Bortles before being promoted on an interim basis to the OC role during the middle of the 2016 season. After the 2016 season, he was promoted to the full-time position and has since been a big reason for the Jaguars' offensive improvements in 2017. Before the show, a little birdie told us that Coach Hackett loves listening to Helmets and Heels because we not only talk routes, but we also talk the fun side of football, which knowing a coach, an NFL coach, listens to our show is is super humbling. And honestly, it, it, it makes you feel pretty good, damn good about the work that we put into the show each and every week. Listen as we dive into Coach's expectations for the upcoming season, his dancing abilities, and which Star Wars movie is his favorite of all time. Because, hint, it's not part of the original trilogy. Let's give it a listen. First, let's talk a little Jaguars offense with offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. Coach, thanks so much for joining us tonight. How y'all doing? It's my pleasure. We are fantastic, thanks, now that football season is finally here, and I'm sure you are ready to get it started as well. So let's get it started with a little quarterback conversation. How have you seen Blake Bortles grow from the time you took over as offensive coordinator to now? I'll tell you, I I still remember about four years ago or three years ago, whenever it was I first came in here, and I remember sitting in there seeing this, you know, a little kind of chunky guy that didn't know too much about, about football and now you fast forward three years later after all the hits, all the crazy, all the bad, a little bit of good, all of a sudden you see a guy that has matured and a guy that is, uh, just understands how to uh, prepare himself day in and day out and, and, and really try to figure out how to attack guys here and there. And, and I think that's been one of the best things about, about being with him and, and just kind of growing with him over these years is watching him really start to play the game of football and, and actually learn how to how to get the ball down the field at the right times and and find a completion and do the right things. And sometimes, as we all love, sometimes take off and use his feet. Coach, I'm going to piggyback off that. So many times in the NFL, and we see it in college as well, it's almost impossible for a quarterback to be successful if his offensive coordinator or his quarterback's coach changes. Obviously, you guys have been together now, what, going into your third or fourth season together Kind of talk a little bit about what it's like to establish that relationship and how that can help him be more successful. 
Yeah, you know, there's so much trust that goes into this game. Uh, I mean, when you have to choreograph 11 guys and those 11 guys are continually changing, whether it's from injuries or just even personnel changes, different guys going out there, you know, as a quarterback, you're kind of that that lone wolf out there at times. And there's just so many different changes. And, and you always want somebody that you can lean on, you can trust. You know, you can talk about the good times, the bad times, always have somebody that kind of that never lets you get too low, never lets you get too high. And I think that just over time, you know, Blake and I, we just, the relationship that we've built, you know, he knows that I've got his back and he knows I'm there to, to protect him when it comes to the play calls, protect him uh, when it comes to taking shots and all across the board there. So, so it's never, you always want when that play comes in to feel really confident about it. The worst thing is when a play is called and you weren't expecting it or, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. And I mean, just imagine what a quarterback would feel like out there when all of a sudden some random play comes in. I mean, even before he's looked at the huddle, you know, he's going, Oh gosh, this thing sucks. This isn't going to work. So I think it's, it, it's when you get that trust and, and he knows what's going to come from me, it's like, he's almost an extension of me after all this time. And, and so we just work so well together and we understand our adjustments. We understand what we want to attack with. And I just think that trust, it just takes a huge weight off. Cause if you, if you don't know what's happening and it, from the coordinator and what the coordinator is going to do and the play calls are going to be, you can understand how lonely that could be when 80,000 people are staring at you and, and the players are looking at you and everybody's looking at you to, to do something good and you're sitting there not even knowing what, what's going to happen. So I, I just think that relationship and that trust factor that we have for each other allows him to go out there and play and know that I've got his back no matter what happens. Coach, last season the, the Jags sort of came out of nowhere and were consistently seen as underdogs throughout the season. How are you guys preparing for this upcoming season, knowing that other teams are going to be coming after you? Uh, you know, we always looked at it as I think every game you go in and, and you know everybody. Last year was a little different because everybody kind of looked at, uh, looked at us as the lame duck, so they just thought they can beat up on us. Uh, and they thought they could just come after us. So it was about building our confidence enough to say, hey, we're, we're not going to sit around and let anybody beat up on us. Well, you know, we're going to attack them, I and mean, we're going to try to run the ball at them. We're going to throw the ball down the field. So I think that kind of change in culture and that change in mindset, it's just kind of my personality to always want to get after people and play tough and, and run the ball and all that good stuff. So I think that we kind of built that into those guys. So now, whether people think they can run over us, people think that they want to come after us, I think that – you know, the guy's confidence across the board, you know, in just the whole offense, I think that they feel like, you know, they've accomplished so much. It's, it's everybody's going to look at us a little different. And, and we just have to do what we do. We know that we're the ones uh, that can take us over the top. It's not going to be anybody else. Jaguars offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett joining us here on Helmets and Heels. Coach, I just want to know about when you're prepping for games. So this is game week. How often are you in the film room collectively as an offense? Ooh, uh, I would say on, so it starts a little bit earlier now because we have a little extra time. So I would say, you know, we go about, I'd say about two hours uh, a day. We get to really get in there and, you know, I present in front of the guys, the game plan. I kind of look at it as though, hey, these are the plays. I always treat it kind of as an audition for these guys. I kind of, I put these plays up there and try to sell them on them and say, hey, these are going to be good. These are going to, you guys are going to love these ones. And they get to kind of, look at those and they look at the tape with us and they decide what, you know, everybody kind of works together to see which ones we like. Then we go out on the practice field, work that out. And, and, and it's almost like an audition for each play. So as we present them, then they audition for them. And then we watch them again uh, after practice. So we get probably about, I'd say on, on a typical Wednesday, we'll probably get about three hours kind of all together as a group. 
And then as the week goes on, I would say, you know, Thursday, it's, it's a little less because we have less situations. So the coaches get a little bit more individual time to cover their individual because especially in offense, it's so individualized at times because an offensive lineman has to look at things completely different than a wide receiver. Quarterback has to look at it completely different than probably a tight end. So it, we have to get them their individual time also, but we try to get together at least about uh, between, I would say it would range about three hours to an hour a day. Um, up until uh, game day. Coach, two guys I'm really excited about on the offense, Austin Safarian Jenkins, the tight end, and wide receiver Dante Moncrief. What are your expectations for those guys? You know, th- those are two new guys that I, it, it's exciting. Yeah, I, it's exciting because this is going to be the first true game that, I, that I'll be calling with them out on the field. So you're excited to see. Obviously, expectations are always high for everybody across the board. We always want to expect the best from, from everybody, but you never know until – as we say, until those live bullets are flying and, and the people are in the stands and it's real, you know, that that's when, that's when you really get to find out about people. They get to find out about me, how I am on a game day. So I think that's, it's very exciting. I mean, obviously we, we want the best from them. We want them to be able to execute the plays and make plays when their opportunity comes, but uh, it, it's, it's going to be fun to see. Uh, hopefully it's, it's going to be a, a lot of good production from both of those guys. The first test will come this Sunday up in New York. James Betcher is the new defensive coordinator for the Giants. What do they? Uh, what challenges do they present as you take your <laughs> offense up there? <laughs> I'll tell you, they, they they give you all kinds of good stuff. Uh, he is a uh, he's one of the, the very few guys now across the league that uh, he enjoys to bring pressure. And uh, what that means is he's going to bring you know at least five guys. Uh, I mean, at least seventy five percent of the time. I mean, they're going to bring people from all over the place. So for us, our guys, they're going to have to really do a great job communicating. And, and on week one, uh, you know, at the Giants, it's going to be loud. So a big test for us is going to have to be just communicating and, and understanding all those different pressures that can show up. And, you know, I mean, they, they really they bring it from all over the place. So if our, the one thing I've noticed and, and after last year, when our guys know what's happening and, and they get a good feel for where those things are happening, they can really execute well. And I think that's going to be a big challenge for us because those are the things that he's going to present is, is you never know. There's going to be pressure and, and somebody's going to be coming at you uh, from some angle. Speaking of last year, how did you mentally, you yourself mentally prepare to face off against one of the, the NFL's best coaches of all time and, and Bill Belichick? Did you, did, did, did you sleep the night before? Because I, I know as a fan, I didn't. You know, I still remember the first game I ever called in the NFL. Uh, I was at the Buffalo Bills. My my very first game, it was at home with the Bills, and we went against Coach Belichick there, too. And at that time, uh, we were starting a, a brand-new rookie uh, quarterback in E.J. Manuel. We had a, a rookie wide receiver in Robert Woods, a rookie wide receiver in uh, Marquise Goodwin. We had a bunch of young guys out there. And I remember that night I definitely didn't sleep very well when you have a lot of young guys that you're going out there and it's your first game in the NFL. But I, I think now get, getting to the point, even during the playoffs and all those times, I think you work so hard during the week. You know, as a coach, you know, you work so hard to prepare and make sure you get the guys in the best positions. You do everything you can to prepare. So, you know, I've gotten to the point now that, you know, a lot of my work is done on, on really Thursday night all the way to Friday. And, and it's about just knowing I've done everything I can to help the players understand what we want to accomplish. Because once you get to game day, you know, there's so many things that happen. There's so many things that could change. There's, you know, from injuries to different changes of the defense. So I think you just, it's about your preparation. You know, if, if you feel like you've prepared as much as you possibly can, then you're, you really just, 
you just kind of go about your business and, and, and you get everything, get everything ready. So, you know, that especially a guy like coach Bilicek is always going to have a wrinkle here and there. And, uh, you know, you just, it's about preparation. And I think, you know, we always feel good going into every game and I feel like I, I can get those guys to understand what we want to accomplish. Coach, what's the most important thing you learned as a coach from your father, who also coached in college and the NFL? I learned stuff from him every second. He calls me all the time and tells me all the things that we do wrong. Or uh, (laughs) a lot of times he'll say a lot of the good stuff. But uh, I would say probably one of the best assets in my life right now, uh, without a doubt, is my father. Um, He writes reports for me every week, um, every single thing he can do to help. And it's great because, you know, I learned so much from him on how to teach the quarterback, how to make the quarterback efficient. Um, so, I, I mean, I would say that probably the number one thing he's always preached to me is change is the norm. You, you have to embrace it. And, and I think that's something that when you know something's going to change and you know there's going to be all kinds of dynamic things that are going to happen, whether you know there are injuries or whether there is something that mixes up or defense, you, you just have to embrace it and, and not be intimidated by it and, and be, expect it and love it. I think that was one of the probably one of the best advice he ever gave me. So it never really intimidated you when all of a sudden something, something would start changing. Did you get your dancing skills from here as well? <laughs> Tell us about that. Uh, we hear you're quite the break dancer. Is that true? Where did y'all hear that? <laughs> we can't reveal our sources, Coach. Then we wouldn't wow, have jobs. That, so that, <laughs> that came out of nowhere. Uh, okay, I just want you to know I might be blushing a little bit. Um, but uh, that would probably, I would say that would come from my mom. My dad definitely loves, loves music. But uh, definitely I would say the dancing came came from my mother and uh, I'm excited. I pass it on to to my kids, and uh, all my all my kids are in dance, and I, that's the one thing that, that Dad makes them do is they got to be sure they do some kind of dancing. That's awesome. Do you ever dance in the locker room? <laughs> no, I, I I haven't done that. As I always tell the guys when they find out about it, I tell them, "Hey, I'm retired. You know, it's been a long time. I I I, I don't don't do that as much as I used to back in the day." Well, we're keeping <laughs> oh, it. Keeping it a little more on the on the lighter side, Star Wars. I have two questions. I hear you're mm. you're you're a big fan of Star Wars. Which character is your favorite, and how do you feel about the Last Jedi? Oh, the Last Jedi. Oh my gosh! To to, to try to de- decide on one guy that that or one person out of all the Star Wars is just unbelievably difficult because there's so many amazing characters, especially if you're a true Star Wars fan. Um, if you had to pin me down, I mean, I think Han Solo was just there one of the coolest go. dudes growing up as a kid. Uh, I've been him for Halloween numerous times. Me too. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, but I would say Han Solo for sure. And, you know, The Last Jedi, I, I mean, this is the way I look at it. Every, every Star Wars movie, I love. I, I'm excited for I love Solo. I love them all just because it's about the story. You know, I mean, it's just about it's such an unbelievable uh, just saga of all these stories. And it's a billion-dollar corporation and I mean, just all the things they've done is just just absolutely amazing. Last Jedi, I mean, it, you know, just watching Luke Skywalker come back onto the screen. I mean, I don't care who you are. That, that's that's awesome. And especially how the ending was. I mean, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I mean, I enjoy all of them. Rogue One's probably my favorite movie of all time. But, you know, it's, it's hard to say I can't can't sit down and watch them all in order at any point in time during the day or year or month, any time. Like, I could sit down and watch all those things. Really? Rogue One is your favorite out of all the Star Wars movies? I'll tell you that one there. I, I mean, because you got to go back to the original first Star Wars you saw when they were talking about all the people that the True. Death Star plans. You always wonder where the Death Star plans came from, and then just I, I don't know. It was just I thought it was awesome seeing the, the Vader scenes again. Oh, the Vader scene. I mean, just the whole thing, just bringing it back to telling, finishing, kind of starting that story over 
was so huge because as a kid, you always wondered, well, how the heck did they get those plans? You know, it's like the whole thing starts with that. And, and I, I just thought it was I thought it was a really well done movie. I, I really enjoyed it. All right, Coach. Well, good luck on Sunday. We will certainly be rooting on the hometown team. And thanks so much for joining us and for always listening to us. We really appreciate it. Heck, yeah. appreciate you guys. Keep it rolling. Let's go get some wins. Yeah, absolutely. 13, to be precise. Can I tell you, I left the show tonight ecstatic about this interview. And I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. If you want to catch the full version of this show, just search for Guys Girl Media on YouTube and you can watch the full live stream complete with the BTS combos during the commercial breaks, which not all the time make it to air. And if you want to stalk me on social media, you can do so. Just find me most active on Twitter and Instagram at Blythe Brum. That's B-L-Y-T-H-E-B-R-U-M for you spelling challenged people out there who don't know how to spell uh, difficult names like myself. So be on the lookout for more great interviews like this, including interviews with some badass women in sports media all in the coming weeks. But until then, go Jags.